Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Midweek Movie Music Edition of Ball Don't Lie. Oh, my man Patrick outdid himself on this one. Uh, the Midweek Movie Music feature is from Rocky IV. It's where my man Patrick takes songs from a certain soundtrack of a movie that inspired him. Plays those selections for us uh, for Midweek Movie Music. And we're supposed to be able to guess exactly what the featured movie is based on the clues and hints from the songs. We got it, but it took us a little while. It took us until the 4 o'clock, but it was obvious after that. He yeah, and I told you, they're song. all obvious now. This is a, this, I love this song, actually. I, I remember the scene and everything. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, he coming in America. Yeah. This is actually yeah. ends up being one of the more the better patriotic songs, period, that an artist ever made. Yeah. And it's made love, for a movie. I love Roy <laughs> Until they go, if he dies, he dies. He dies. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love Roy, jo- Roy, uh, Roy Wood Jr. has a joke about it. About how there's no black patriotic songs, and then they're like living in America, and he goes, "Yeah," and he's just naming off song and naming off places at the end of the song where it's safe to be black. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't forget, don't forget, uh, James Brown. This, black people tried to cancel James Brown back they did. in the day. Yeah, they did. All right, because he he was uh, he's rooting for Richard Nixon, like he was actually supporting Richard Nixon. They ain't like that. All right, but hey, James Brown's one of the greatest black icons ever. Period. Man. Can't yeah. question. Can't question the blackness of James Brown. You cannot. That's like Never. No, they will question anybody's blackness. James Brown's blackness was questioned. You talk about the bad who basically dis- turned a whole era into "I'm black and I'm proud" of music, and That's right. That's his right. blackness was questioned yeah. because he he wanted to support Richard Nixon. Just throwing it out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, no, so. we did on President's. We did the uh, did the President's Day one with Harge here. We played Funky President, where he was explaining to Nixon exactly. that it was bad. And we need they needed help, but he was talking. He was like, "Hey, man, we're buddies." Yeah, yeah. no, it's uh, yeah, it's just what about the love? And by the way, James Brown, my dad's favorite artist of all time. So I heard a lot of James Brown going. This is the people on the zone. Oh, James Brown, probably the first artist to just start mumbling on songs and just use sound effects. He would Hell, be not, a great rapper these yeah, days. Yeah, not, not only Migos. Hell, that's what, yeah, they, that's yeah. what they, built, they built their whole, uh, you know, their whole little niche, if if you will, on just kind of making random sound noises mm-hmm. and sound effects during rap songs and now a lot of rappers have their own signature sound effect like yep. they you know what I mean whatever they have like a signature sound effect they make like during the song and you hear it randomly James Brown was doing that way back in the day before anybody else Michael yep. Jackson would do it a little bit too Michael Jackson probably stole it from James Brown probably. Michael Jackson would make up random words and just start yelling and screaming and stuff and James Brown first to talk to the band during songs too 
Nobody oh, yeah. was talking. He like, Maisie Maisie He just randomly like dropping names, start talking to the bands. Like, who are you talking to? It's like, talking Making to the band. dinner plans during the song. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Oh, I love me some James Brown back in the day. Uh, all right, uh, let's get to the Texas baseball loss to LSU. We'll break that down. We'll also break down the preview of Texas basketball on the road, men's basketball on the road versus TCU. Big game tonight. Raj rant of the day coming up next. And I did find my Rocky research. We're talking about Rocky Four uh, today. I went down a Rocky rabbit hole once, so we'll get into that coming up, and I'll tell you why Rocky is uh, has a special place in America's heart. We'll get to that coming up uh, momentarily. But let's first, Harge, get to the Texas baseball loss to LSU. It was a disappointing one, and I said it earlier, and I I hate to you know I hate to kind of rain on the parade of, of Texas Longhorn baseball fans who are you know and they should be proud of the way their team competed last night. There are no moral victories for blue bloods. You can't be a blue blood Correct. and also claim the moral victory. If you're a blue blood, no moral victories. Can't do it. So Texas baseball, sorry. You can't really necessarily feel good about this one because mm. you should have won it. Yeah, there was, was opportunities. There. Yeah, there were opportunities to win that thing. That's yeah. why it also reminded me of Texas versus Bama, the football game, where Texas hosted Bama, which at the time, were they number one in the country at the time? Alabama or number two? was either number one, one or number, number two, two. Right yeah. behind Georgia. I don't know. I can't remember at the time where they were. But you hosted one of the best teams in the country, mm-hmm. and you played them down to the wire, and you had multiple chances to, to win that game and take that game. But ultimately, the better team with the better players – um, they found a way to win the game in clutch time, and a term that you've thrown out a lot, and it echoes in my head when I watch baseball now, situational baseball. Yeah. And Texas has not been great and yes, situationally. And yes, Alabama was number one and at number the one, time. Okay, they go. were number one at the time, yeah. just like LSU was okay. number one. It, it reminded me of that a little bit, right? Yep. And, and it was it's in a, an SEC foe. Yeah, and it was in the last, I mean, last two minutes of the game where yep. you lost the game. Yep. And exactly. Texas lost his game with top of the ninth. Top of the ninth with a three run. Jimmy Jack, you know, ball that was still traveling right now. Um, but yeah, you know, you there are situations that we have seen happen with this team. From the very beginning, there's been so many opportunities, even with the games that they lost at um, at Arlington where mm-hmm. they went 0-3. It was a 3-2 ball game against Arkansas, who was one of the top teams in the country at that time. And they made a bunch of errors in one inning against um, Vanderbilt, and they could have won that game. You know, there were so many different things. You take away and get out of those innings, you're still in it. But the biggest problem that Texas has had right now is they're not executing, uh, getting them over, getting them in type of situations. They're missing signs. They're still trying to figure out. Pitching yesterday, LeBaron James. I mean, James. LeBaron James. L because I keep calling him LBJ. <laughs> hey, you know what? <laughs> he, he pitched like LeBaron James last night. Exactly. You know, last he was out he there dealing that. last night. You're right. You're right. Nine strikeouts. He was clutch. Went, matter of fact, he, he was dealing so well. That people were like, why are we taking him out? Why are we taking him out? And the reason why he took him out, he was already at 92 pitches. Mm. That's not who he is just yet. He may be that guy that we'll see on the weekend. You follow him and Lucas Gordon together and have those guys go out there on a Friday and Saturday, they're, you're going to be in the ball game. You still need to hit at the plate. Yep. We've got guys that are experienced, that are older, in the top three spots in the, in the batting lineup, actually the fourth. Uh, even using the catcher Gilmet, he's been doing great behind the play. He's I've been impressed with the way he's handled this pitching staff and the way he's been do, going about his business. But a lot of these younger players, because young players are all over the country, 
There are a bunch of young guys that are playing for every single team in America. You have to go out there and perform at this point. And if you're coming to the University of Texas and they recruited you, the standard is always high. And you're going to go there. There's no growing pains. It's automatically get out there and be prepared to play. Because if you're on the field, that means you're good enough. And if you're at not, at, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and if you're not good enough, then that, the, the, the recruiting is another conversation. You know what I'm saying? That's something totally different. But the players that are there now, you have to go out there and perform, period. Well, you're good enough because I just watched you play the number one team in the country down to the wire. Exactly. And you let one pitch get away from you in the ninth inning. And yep. then, but that's what happens. With, hey, like going up against Bryce Young, Heisman Trophy winner, might be the number one overall pick. Exactly. You let one drive get away from you. You had a Ryan play to play on him. Could have exactly. had a sack on him, didn't exactly. get him. He wrote, that's the way it happens. Yep. Your margin for error is so minuscule when you're going up against elite Competition Absolutely. like that, Absolutely. and yes, Texas did play a really good game, and we can. T- LeBaron Johnson, I mean, yeah, you got to start by giving him his props, man. That was a yep. now that was a big boy, grown man performance by a guy who's like, nah, I want to play in yep. the big league. So this is how I this is, this is my standard. All yep. right, the rest of y'all, y'all got to create y'all. But my standard is, I'm you know I'm pitching at a big league type level. Uh, he had nine strikeouts, so he was great, and even the three relievers after him. Yeah. Kept that scoreless tie. Yep. But, you know, so you just you, you let, you know, a, a one pitch one get away pitch. from you, and that's it came back to haunt you. So for Texas, I think situationally, though, you've talked about it. they got to be better at the plate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard my man Jeff Howe and uh, Cameron Parker on Light the Tower. Shout out, great show from 10 to noon right here on 104.9 The Horn. And they brought up the really good stat that is a mind-blowing stat, that Texas baseball now 11-60 and 60 yep. with runner, hitting 11-60 and 60 with runners in scoring position. Which is why you don't that have a bunch crazy. of runs being scored this year. Wow. When you start looking at the the games, Texas loses three to two. They lose five, uh, six to five. They lose twelve to two. They win twelve to two. They win four to two. They win five to two. They lose two, uh, uh, four to two, and they lose three to zero. And now they're going to Cal State Fullerton this weekend. All the games will be on ESPN ESPN Plus. But, of course, you can hear it on 104.9 The Horn right here. So this is going to be a big challenge for them this weekend. And hopefully they go out there and scratch some wins across and come back home next Tuesday for Sam Houston, play a game against Mercer, and then a weekend series against uh, um, Manhattan. So you're going to have all of these opportunities to be able to rectify some of the situations that you've had. But, Rod, this is a long season. This is going mm-hmm. to be something. And it may be even a longer season if they don't handle their business. If they don't go out there and do the things that they're supposed mm-hmm. to do to get themselves prepared mm-hmm. each week, night in and night out, especially when you're facing the top competition that you have been, you've got to be able to represent. And just in case everybody was wondering, what you saw last night is what you're going to see every week moving forward when you get into the SEC. Speak on These are the teams that you're going to have to go against because that's one team. They all look like that in the SEC. (laughs) They all look like that. They all, when they get off the bus, you're like, are they hooping? Are they about to go out there and play a basketball game? So it's like, come on, man. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, yeah, no, that's a good point to bring up. Uh, so Texas baseball uh, looking to you know, learn. They're a young team, too, so yep. looking to learn. And like I said earlier, if the things that are beating them right now, which mm-hmm. are situational baseball you bring up, uh, the inexperience is a big part of it as well. 
lack of communication or yep. miscommunication. David Pierce brought that up himself as one of the losses. If these things are recurring and they are the issues that also are beating them in, you know, 15, 20 games yep. into the season, then we got a we got a real big problem. Nope. Right now, I think we can we we I think everybody's hoping they can chalk it all up to growing pains. Um and we don't we haven't gotten hard to panic button yet. Not yet. But I've been if, snooping on if, the internet though. If they don't get a <laughs> yeah, if they don't get above five hundred pretty soon, then yes, we will have a panic button ready. We're not gonna we'll let we'll let Harge use it. Harge yeah. the only one that can use the, use the panic button. It's like the code for the president, not the nuclear code. Exactly. He'd be the only one with access to the panic button, but we'll at least have to purchase a panic button. If I'm about to order the code blue. <laughs> I'm about to order the code blue. <laughs> gotta have gotta have one in the crib That's just right. so in case we gotta hit it. It needs to That's make right. a cool noise. So. It definitely will. Patrick, you're the ideal you know. I think I maybe, got you. I got some ideas. You got some ideas? All right. So Patrick's already hooking it up. Okay, let's get to uh, Texas basketball here, yep. gentlemen. Huge game tonight for Texas basketball. We just talked to my man Wills of the Texas One Fund. He talked he, he started out the conversation <laughs> talking about how big the game it was. Yep, yep. So I'm assuming he will be there in the building on the road at TCU. And, you know, to me, it's it's a lot of it comes down to how can, can Texas score consistently on the road in the Big 12? Because the Big 12, to be on the road in the Big 12 is a Herculean task. I mean, Texas is essentially an average to below average team on the road in the Big 12. I think most teams are actually in the Big 12. You look around, but at home, they're a juggernaut. Same thing with TCU, who is 13-4 and four at home. But I love this stat. Texas 17-0 and 0 when allowing 74 points or fewer. 5-7 and seven when allowing more. Defense got to come to play exactly. against TCU, and uh, you go look at it. TCU, they're sixteen and one when scoring more than seventy five points, <laughs> three and eight when they don't. So it, Texas defense got to show up. But I, I want to say it's easier defensively, at least schematically, matching up against TCU because you know their three point shot is is not a threat. Yes, they're three hundred forty eighth in three pointers made, three hundred fifty fifth in three point percentage. And so I'm not saying they can't get hot from three-point range, but it's definitely not where their strength is. They want to score mid-range and in the paint. This is a game that is is going to – two ways this game is going to play out. Either it's going to be an up-and-down track meet and whoever has the best endurance is going to, to win this game, but it's also going to be a very physical game. It has the opportunity to be a very physical game because of the fact of the free throw shooting. They if if Texas gets to the point where they are trying to to shoot a bunch of mid-range jumpers or three-pointers and not attack the rim, this could be a long night for Texas basketball. I think that they need to go at them the way that they they will attack them and try to spend a lot of times at the free throw line. Yeah, you got to go to the free throw line. I mean, Eddie Lampkin is the type of guy that will give you fits if you let him stay on the court for too long, Yep, uh, beating you up in the paint, and he can get your big guys in foul trouble as well. So I think when you want to run switches out on him and try and get him to prime play on the perimeter, it's easier to get him in foul trouble that way. Or just drive right at him, but you want to try and get those guys in foul trouble. I'm also going to tell you, you're going to have to watch out for Emmanuel Miller tonight. Yep, and I know he's yep. usually he's a good player. He's also a senior. And as we know, it's the end of the season, so tonight's senior night. Hmm. So Emmanuel Miller is going to be trying to show up tonight. He doesn't shoot a lot of threes, but he shoots them over 40%. He is somebody that is going to try and make an impact, especially if if the Longhorns do what they've done a lot, which is try and basically take Miles out of the game. So the more they try and focus energies on stopping Mike Miles, 
Emmanuel Miller is the guy you're going to have to watch out for in this game to be a secondary scorer that can become their main scorer. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and one thing also we should bring up, just comparing what happened last game with Texas versus Baylor, um, they forced 21 turnovers, which is really, I mean, Texas is one of the better teams in the country at forcing turnovers. They forced, I believe, 16, a little over 16 turnovers per game. Top 20 number in the country. So they're trying to force turnovers against TCU. I'm sure that will be a point of emphasis for Texas. But they only got 16 points off of those turnovers. That was a big number. You just yeah. don't see yeah. a number, a disparity like that. If they're going to force turnovers TCU, it's not just important to force them. they got to be able to get points off of those turnovers. It means get out in transition. You just have less system in transition before TCU can get their half-court defense aligned when you do yeah. force those turnovers. They didn't do that enough versus Baylor. Right. And that's going to be the biggest challenge for Texas this this game as well. This is one of those games on the road where you're looking to play. I mean, I'm not going to say a perfect game, but I'm going to say a more complete game. If you can go in there and play a more complete game, I think that's something that that they should be looking at as well. Yep. It's like, how do we get this game? How do we win this game on the road? How do we steal this game on the road? Because to Patrick's point, TCU's still playing for a lot and a senior night. I mean, those guys are ready, and they do not want to lose to the University of Texas because let's not forget, didn't they have a 16-point lead against Texas the last time, and Texas ended up coming back to win that game? You are correct. So those are the type of things that they're sitting there. We had the game, guys. We played them at their yard and played them well, but we let them back in the game. If we get to that league, we can't let that happen again. So they're already in their mind thinking about how they got to that point. Speaking of losing leads, uh, Texas cannot have a scoring drought. Ugh. Anywhere close to the neighborhood of eight minutes. Get to the rim. Without, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's your point. Get to have a how about this? Have a plan for the drought. Anticipate it. Be ready for it. It's coming. Have a plan ready for it, and the yep. plan should be get to the free throw line. You exactly. didn't do that enough versus Baylor, and Baylor sh- they end up making more free throws than you attempted. Exactly. Yeah, the fact that you can't get to the free throw line on a shot in eight minutes, two media timeouts worth. Two that's, media that's, timeouts worth. That's absurd. It is just. That's one of those things where it's like you can yell at somebody all you want. You have to change up approaches and coaching when you get to that point because clearly nothing is getting through to somebody. They're just shell-shocked, and it's only getting worse. You have to find a way on the road today to not get into that rut of once things start to go bad, they compound. They spiral. Yes. Down, yeah. the downward and spiral. We've, and that's what we've seen on some of these droughts where they're just not even getting shots up because they're passing the ball around, they start to slow down instead of trusting themselves and going fast, which is when this offense is clearly at its best. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, too. Uh, I, yeah, so I, as long as they got a plan for the drought, because whenever, whenever it comes, they should have a plan for it. And when they, they come out of timeouts, is Texas, because you guys watch a lot more college basketball, how are they coming out of timeouts with set plays? Uh, better defensively than offensively, yeah, but no, they don't run a lot of set plays offensively. Like offensively. And coming out of a because timeout, like, hey, we not, gotta, they don't we do gotta, it, period, anyway. Yeah, they're just not a really good half-court offense. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's the problem is they the guys they have have all had to learn how to play off-ball more. Like, just the construction of the team is a lot of guys who their primary thing before they came to Texas was being the on-the-ball guy. Right. So they've they've had that enough that it's hard for these guys to really run specific plays and understand the nuances of setting screens and getting around without fouling. And there's not a ton of plays like that in college basketball anyway because you just get fouls too often Yep. because they'll call screen fouls a lot more in college than they do in the pros. And 
when you're when you're the whole play is set around you got to hit this kind of screen and he jump starts to jump around you you jump out to get him and it's going the other way you never even inbounded the ball yeah so like they're just not as many in college because the way they referee the game but you will see some coaches like him more than others Rodney Terry isn't a huge guy of it Chris Beard wasn't a guy of it right. I don't think Rick Barnes was that much of a guy of it yeah, it's and not, Shock is smart. Wasn't I, I that think every coach team. has their yeah, it's their strength. Like they have, some and they, coach, they normally have a few that you have mm-hmm. in like do or die. If this is in the tournament, we might use it. Yeah. But once we use it, everybody knows it, so we can't really use it a lot. That's a good point too. It's like That's a trick play in, in in football where you're like, well, yeah, once we do the Philly special, you don't want to waste it. Every team knows it, and every team can do it now, and they'll be looking for it. Yeah, I'm just thinking about you know having that drought and you know having more set plays coming out of timeouts, whether yeah. TV timeouts or your own timeouts, that will at least get you a bucket or get, yeah, you, a, but that's, get you to the free throw line. And that's, but you can see it, be, it could just be mentality more than anything. Just be aggressive, and they're not Yeah, exactly. Aggressive. And that's what you need to be. You just need to be more aggressive. I will give you a couple notes about other things in Big 12. Kansas will beat Texas Tech last night mm. at home, which means they do have a share of the Big 12 now. So Texas can win tonight, win against Kansas on Saturday. They will share the Big 12. They still have that in play for them. And then the news out of Iowa State that came out about an hour or so ago that Caleb Grill, their third uh, leading scorer for Iowa State, has been dismissed from the team. I yeah. saw that texter hit us up with that. That is, we don't have details about what. No, the issue but could uh, be. I mean he's been hurt the last mm. couple the yeah. last couple weeks. Caleb Grill, if you know don't know for Texas fans, is the guy who undercut Dylan Mitchell. Yeah. yeah. So Texas fans not a fan of Caleb Grill, uh, but he is apparently no longer with the program. So that is something big going into the uh, Big Twelve tournament. Oh, great point by the text. I do remember this. He says Brock Cunningham missed a shot off of a timeout against Tech. I do remember yeah. it was right at the rim. Yeah, yeah, that's the one where he was underneath the basket. Yeah, yeah, I do remember well, that. And they, and like, a terrible game. I will say game, they so. run they run plays that you can run a hundred times and won't always break you free because you can't set a screen out or can because someone falls over and then every once in a while they break. But you'll see them all move and then that's when you see Christian Bishop or whoever Dylan DeSue will be the guy who goes out and steps out behind the three-point line to basically be a big target to get the ball inbound on the five-second. But you got five seconds to inbound the ball, so everyone moves. And once you make that first move, if your guy's with you, Done. you're not a target anymore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's a good point there. Uh, just a couple other nuggets before we hit Rod's uh, rants today. Uh, my man CB reminds us, Shaka won the conference championship last night. He so did. shout out to Shaka. And Shaka's well, been making me a lot of money this year. Hey, when, you're, when your ex is doing well and you're happy for them. Yeah. And you know what? That's why it was a, it was a good conscious <laughs> uncoupling from yeah. the Texas and Shaka. We let him move on. Okay. Texas happy every and everybody's winning. You can be happy for your ex. You can go on social media and genuinely be happy that they've moved on and they're doing well. Mm. I think that's how most Longhorn basketball fans are about Shaka. And this little nugget too, and you let me know about this, Harge, about uh Charlie Strong. Yep. Charlie Strong update for the people. Char- Charlie Strong is now being Speaking uh, of exes. Exactly. <laughs> Our ex Charlie Strong <laughs> is now dating Nick Saban. Because now he's, <laughs> he's part of the Nick Saban coaching car wash, car wash That's baby. Right. He's, yep, going he's going through, through the car wash. This is his second stint with Alabama. That's he was crazy. there in twenty twenty. Speaking of twenty twenty. Uh Steve Sarkeesian was there. Coach Sark was there twenty nineteen and twenty twenty. Before he came to the University of Texas. Oh, Sark went through that coaching car wash. Oh, yeah. Got washed clean. Got he got clean. a brand new gig at the University of Texas. Got Major, cleansed. Major Applewhite was been, has been cleansed. Yeah, uh, exactly. that coaching car wash. Uh, Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien recently. Nope. He was cleansed. Uh, who else was that? Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin Don't forget was about Lane Kiffin, That's man. Right. He got washed clean. That, that Nick Saban coaching car wash, it'll do you right now. 
No uh, doubt. Kyle Flood actually went through it too, technically. Yeah, yeah he did. Because Kyle Flood came in with Sark yeah, and Kyle yeah. Flood had, he was a head coach at one time. So if you're down on your luck as a head coach, uh, just head on over to the Nick Saban Coaching Car Wash. Right. They'll get you cleaned up really quickly. Holler, holler at Nick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we come back. I'll give you my com- uh, little details about my combine experience, and I did find my Rocky research, so we'll go rabbit-holing about the movie Rocky, since that is the feature for our midweek movie music. All of that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104 and on the horn. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite. And start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, no, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to Rod's Rant of the Day. I want to get to my combine experience just a little bit. So all throughout the week we'll be talking combine. And I want to get into my combine experience specifically because it's been a long time, by the way. Uh, my combine experience was 03, which, by the way, was the... Last time that it was un- it was it wasn't televised. I believe that's the the launch of the NFL Network came in two thousand three. If I'm not mistaken, man, we didn't even get to see you on the on the TV, live. bro. I missed all of my opportunities. <laughs> the the, the, Ed, the, the Ed O'Bannon case. Yeah, they paid guys they basically reparations, if you will, for the Ed O'Bannon lawsuit all the way back to two thousand three, and my last year was oh <laughs> two. And I was like, come on, man. One more oh, year? What, what are one more year? Give Missed me out. one more. Exactly. Uh, so NFL Combine, yeah, I was not on television. I don't know if my performance was worthy of being on television anyway. Uh, but 2003, they started putting it on NFL Network, and we know now it's a primetime made-for-television event. I was number two in the – because they put they, – everybody has numbers. So every uh, position group has – Jer- I still got my jersey at home, the little shirt with the number on it and my name on the back. So if your name on the back, and, de- and I was number two because they do it alphabetically. Mm-hmm. I was behind Namdi Asamoah, who is now a Hollywood actor, who is yeah, married, yeah. To, married to Kerry Washington. So yes, the man did it. He was really cool. He's a cool dude. But he was actually one of the top like prospects coming out. He's a first-round pick. Wasn't he at so, Cal or something yeah, like that? Was the guy. Yeah, So that yeah. kind of sucked for me. That everybody was like, oh, look at that. That's the guy you want to watch. And then I go right behind Namdi Asamoah. So I had to, you know, had to step my game up to make sure that every <laughs> drill was perfect because I was going behind a number one, or at least a top corner, a first yeah. round prospect in Namdi Asamoah. But he was good. But this is what I say about the, the, the combine and essentially what it's the principles is built upon. It's basically built upon the principle of performance under pressure. They want to see you perform under pressure, which is why all of the skills uh, competitions, competition, uh, all of the skills tests, I should say, it does feel like a competition. All the skills tests and all of the on-field tests are done at the end of the combine. So they want you to go through all your medical evaluations first. They want you to go through all the interview first. They want to exhaust you and stress you out. And they want you exhausted by the time you do those drills. And they want to see you perform under pressure. I want to see how you're going to perform uh, under the um, hostile conditions of the, the combine away from, you know, your comfort zone of being home or uh, being away from wherever your facilities are, where you used to practice. And they want to see if in that environment now, especially making a primetime event, cameras on, if you on that big stage can perform at a really high level. And that's what it's about. And they, they increase the pressure day by day. You're there for about four days. They want to increase the pressure every day. I was roomed with an Aggie. They roomed me with Sammy Day, which made no sense. If it was based on mm-hmm. alphabetical order, then I should have been roomed in with Namdi Asamoah. If it was, you know what I mean? Like yeah, it, it didn't yeah. make any, my room assignment didn't make any sense other than 
Let's stress him out. Let's see if we can stress him out, put him with an ad, put him with a rival. Let's stress him out even more. Add more pressure. Mm-hmm. They want to add pressure to it as much as they can. See how he reacts. <clears throat> See how he reacts, right? The medical evaluations. Uh, have you ever seen the movie Fire in the Sky? <clears throat> you guys ever seen Fire no. in the Sky? It's a movie about alien abductions. It's a very graphic scene in the movie where the aliens are abducting him and certain stuff and all types of body parts and orifices and all kind of stuff. Well, that is essentially what the medical evaluations at the combine are like. You have all these strange men around you, all right, poking and prodding you. And they used to do it in teams. I don't think they do it anymore. They do it in groups. So they'll, they'll have four or five teams in one group, and then the next round of evaluations is four or five different teams in that group. But no team trusts the other team's evaluation. You're not going to trust the Cleveland Browns doctor to evaluate the prospect that you like, right? Hell no. So they all, they all want to look at the knee injury. Ah, let me look at that knee injury. Let me take a look at it. Let me pull on that thing. Let me see. And, oh, let me see. Let me check it out. So you're going through four or five hours of just medical evaluation of different human beings just pulling and tugging at you. And they, they don't introduce themselves. There's no bedside manner. <laughs> Everybody going, ah, so would you mind if I grabbed you? Mind if I? No, no, they just started grabbing stuff. Just grabbing. Tell me, man. Just grabbing it and yeah. telling you about injuries that you didn't even know you had. Oh, yeah, you know you broke your nose when you were 13. Like, what the hell? I broke my nose? Did I really? Yeah, you did. Yeah, Where did that doctor come they, from? It's, it, it's, it is the wildest, most surreal job interview of your life, right? And speaking of interviews, the other stressful part is the interview process. And we all know they used to ask these really crazy questions like, you know, do you find your mother attractive? And do you like men? Is your mother a hooker? And when did you lose your virginity? Well, because of... Uh, Workers' rights, probably more than anything, but also because of social media now and because of the sports industrial complex and all of us following the combine the way we do, they don't ask those inappropriate questions anymore. I think we're about four or five years removed from them asking those inappropriate, offensive questions, asking about sexual orientation and gender. And it's like, hey, guys, just so you know, we're in a new era now. We're in an enlightened era where, yeah, that actually is uh, something that people are wrestling with, and you cannot be mocking it or making fun of it during the interview process of the NFL. So you don't get that anymore, but back in the day, I think the craziest question I got was, when was the last time I wore women's underwear? Uh, They said, oh, you guys at Texas love to smoke weed because Ricky smokes a lot of weed. So when was the last time you smoked weed? Uh, So those are two of the random crazy questions I asked. But guys have been punched in the chest when they walk into an interview. I'm not making it up. Guy was punched in the chest before, and that was their way of trying to elicit a reaction from him to see, like, hey, man, uh, how are you going to respond to us punching you in the chest in a job interview? All right, so the NFL, they've cleaned up that process, but to the point where— Thank goodness. Yeah, I believe DeMar Smith and Troy Vincent, they wanted to abolish and dismantle the entire combine process because of the lack of dignity and respect— throughout the process. So they've tried to have more dignity and respect throughout the whole damn thing. It, it's so dehumanizing, and they've, they've now kind of realized that aspect of it. Speaking of dehumanizing, there's catcalling. You, you are in a stadium <laughs> with grown men in the stands, and they are looking at you, and you're, you got some just some bison tights on, just like some running, running shorts on. They're tights. And then you got your T-shirt on, which basically has your name and your number on the back of it. And you'll get cat calls straight up. Hey, babers, turn around for me. I told you he had a high booty. Look at his calves. Look at his thighs. <laughs> Damn, I like his thighs. He looks good. Hey, come over here. They, they wrote. They'll ask you to, like, get out of line and come in for a second. Let me... Let me look at him. Let me holler at you. It's crazy. It is wild. Straight up grown men catcalling other young prospects 
about body parts and how good the body parts look. Like your pecs, love the way your arms look. It's, I guess it's a, it's like women. I guess it's a compliment, but I'm sure women don't like being catcalled on the street for some dude talking about how she good she looks in that skirt. You no. get that at the combine. Damn, man, look at them thighs. Ooh, they bigger than I thought. Oh, yeah, can't wait to see him <laughs> on the squats. Like, what? This is crazy. That really happens. Uh, they heckle you. I was in a drill. I was actually in a drill for the DBs, and I because the quarterbacks, you, you your your basically your drills are thrown by the quarterbacks who are at the combine, not coaches. Right. So they're trying their hardest. They're all throwing rockets, lasers for every drill, and I mean it, it'd be nice if them just put it out there. No, no, they're throwing late because they're trying to show off their arm strength in these drills. So. I actually split the webbing in my fingers with one of the uh, one of the during one of the drills, and my my hand started bleeding profusely, like just bleeding. I take my glove off, and I went to the side. There's a trainer. I went to the side. I was like, "Hey, my hand's bleeding, but I got to get back because I'm not good enough to miss drills." <laughs> right? B's dra- draft stock is dropping as we speak. <laughs> the old logo I stay over here with you. My draft stock is plummeting. Okay, so I need you to let me go back out there because they told me I had to leave because my I was bleeding on the ball and everything. <laughs> so I went over to her. She's like, "Uh, you need stitches." I'm like, "Stitches." I'm like, hell no. I'm like, can I just go out there and put my glove on? She's like, no, we can't allow this to happen. Like, you, you got to go get some stitches. And I'm like, damn. So I leave the drill to go get stitches. On my way to, like, the training room or whatever, I got grown men like, uh, I told look at Babers. Babers leaving. He I told you. He ain't he coming back. Ready. He ain't coming back, yeah. man. He wanted them Texas boys, man. You know, they country club. He ain't going to be back. Like, look, you being heckled. On my way to the, to the training room. <laughs> when I came out, they were like, hey, Robbie. Coming back, baby. I like that. Yeah. So Showing a little heart there, player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a little heckling going on with that, too. So it is, it's just truly a surreal, strange process the entire time. But like I said, it's all built on trying their best to see how you perform under pressure. That's it. And you're a player, you're pretty much in purgatory for the most part because you don't. You don't have. You're not a player yet, so you don't have the players association representation. You're not a student athlete anymore, so the NCAA doesn't really give a damn about you anymore. So you're in this purgatory, and you know, in this situation, you don't. If you're a big time prospect, you have. You know, you probably can really manipulate the process the way you want to. But if you're not a big time prospect, man, you just got to go along with the meat market. That's just the way it is. Yeah. And I think now it's a like I said, it's a lot more dignity infused in it now. But when I was there, man, it was wild. It was crazy. Is but, it though? I mean, like, is it changed that much to where I they're don't still know because yeah. I've been, so I assume it has. But yeah. based on some of the questions from four, four or five years ago, probably not. Right. That's what I'm saying. They're yeah, still yeah. going <laughs> to ask that because they're still going to put you in an awkward situation, see how you're going to react, see what your thought process is. Just like you said, they walk up to you and hit you in the chest, see if you're going to snap on them. They better be glad some of these people didn't hey. snap on you because they wouldn't have been able to pull you off. Uh, no, yeah, yeah, they, they've had a couple of incidents recently right. at the combine where guys refused to medical evaluations or walked out in right. the process of it saying, hey, you know, you examine me for two hours. I'm not staying here for four hours, whatever it may be. Dan Neal hmm. told a story one time about how Orlando Pace was there, Ooh, I can and he walked out. He was like, I'm done with this. I'm I not doing it. all this stuff. They're like, you're going to ruin your draft stock. And Dan Neal looked at everybody. He was like, I don't think he's ever going to ruin his draft stock. <laughs> hey, no, so yeah, that's why I said those guys. I was right. like, I, I'm, I'm not upset that Bijan's running, but I would advise against it. Right. I think you need to start a certain, if you're a big time prospect, start a certain more power over Absolutely. the, really kind of the ridiculousness of the of the whole process and the combine and mock it. 
Yep. Deion Sanders did it originally. Do you remember Deion Sanders came there, ran his forty, and left, left in a limo, left in a limo right and after said, that, and then said, "Yeah, that's it. Don't <laughs> draft me because I'd ask Detroit if you would if you would have drafted yeah. me, y'all would have had to put me on layaway. Yeah, exactly. Because I, I was going, you couldn't afford me. Yeah, because no, he I, still had baseball too. He was playing baseball at the time. Exactly. Too. So I think guys should use yeah. more of that leverage they have in the combine process. And go, no, I'm not running. Yep. Nope. You got my data tracked. All right, GPS timers. I'm not gonna run. You got my film. I'm not doing any of that. All right, if y'all don't want to draft me, then don't draft me. Right. All right. Period. If if, you, if I fall out of your uh, fall off of your big board because I didn't want to do some of these silly drills that you want me to do, then so be it. Right. Who cares? And I think that'll that'll lead to the cre- the, the credibility of the combine being questioned more and more. Guys like Rob, guys jabronis like me will always have to go and do the combine, but because it's a made for TV event. They want star power. Right. I was just about they to say. They want star power. And that's why we need the stars like Bijan and Bryce Young to go, no, I'm good. <laughs> I'm not doing that. That's for the other Jags and Jabronis. No. And then it'll lose some of its 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 credibility. All right. That's right. what's that's what's good. Right now, they still it's still the primetime television event because of that. Because people still wanna they want to watch the combine. They want to watch people in the underwear Olympics. Well, everybody wants to see everybody run too. It's just like a track meet. You don't want to see the mm-hmm. long distance running. You want to see the people that can get it, picking it up and putting it down in the forty. Yeah. Just because that's just the only thing you really want to watch. I, I could care less if the guy can do 75, uh, 225. You know what I'm saying? I don't care about that. I want to see how fast the dude is. Yeah. But that's then you got the saying. big boys. So people yeah. watch the big boys yeah. and you just see them lift and all that What you call them? What's the junk, junk brother? Uh, junk Jones? Junk Jones. Junk is there, Jones yeah. is running out junk there. Junk fell out of you know, his pants <laughs> as he's going. So, yeah, I mean, it's like I said, it's a very it's a surreal process overall. Um, I, I don't regret it. And I wasn't like offended by the process. Right, I was right. just kind of give you guys a description of it. But uh, I think now, it'll, it, like I said, I bet it's a little bit better now. But remember, Manny Acho went through it. I don't know how long ago. I mean, he said, somebody asked him at the, at the combine, uh, does he know anybody who's been shot? <laughs> right. So, and he said no. And he said that actually hurt his <laughs> – it hurt his credibility but the, but in the interview. But that coach got fired. Yeah, the guy, yeah, but, exactly. that, but that front office too got so, fired. Yeah, That's so it's, just, it's wild. Yeah. And I think most of it is just purely theatrics. Yeah. I don't think the actually meaning of it. I think they're literally just trying to put you in a pressure cooker and see how you respond. Yep. All right, we come back. We'll get into a little NBA news, notes, and nuggets right here on Baldwin Line, 104.9 The Horn. Here on 104.9 The Horn, midweek movie music edition of Ball Don't Lie, and the movie Rocky Four. Oh, I tell him in hard. I don't know how you don't get excited for Rocky nah. movies, man. Nah. Very disappointed in that. Uh, maybe the Mavs could listen to a little Rocky Balboa montage music off one of the soundtracks from the Rocky movie to pump them up and get them motivated. Uh, they could have needed that in their latest loss to Indiana. Lost 124 to 122. And once again, guys, in clutch time, Kyrie and Luka, the worst part of their, their this combination of the, them together, they can't figure out clutch time. Yep. They're good enough to make it a game in clutch time, but something happens every time they're in clutch time. So Dallas had five possessions uh, with, the, with the score, basically. Um, it was basically within two points in the final two minutes. Yep. They had seven shots. They shot seven. They, they had seven shots, right? They had five. Five of those were three pointers, and they missed them all. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. You start looking at this team, and you're like, "And hey, with the Lakers, they did the same thing." What yeah. I tell you, they had a turnover. Yep. 
With the late, it was, it was it was a close game. I think they were down by one point or something. So they were down three with 53 seconds left. And then they had a turnover. Kyrie inbounding the ball to Luka. Yep. And then before that, they had another one, and this was against Minnesota, I believe, where they were down two, and they couldn't get a shot off. They were playing hot potato with each other. So they've had like seven games since Kyrie's been on the team. Four, what, five games they played together? They're one and four. One and four. And, and three of those have been lapses in clutch time by one of those two. Or yeah. both. Yeah. That's insanity. It's not. Jason Kidd doesn't care anymore. Yeah. That's, that's what sarcasm. it comes down to. Yep. He doesn't sarcasm. care. He, no one is playing. Matt, I watched that game. Luca likes playing offense. He doesn't play defense. Kyrie Irving is playing a little bit on both, but if he doesn't have the ball, he's he's doing all right, but it's not anything. He's not gonna he's not going extra. Maxi Kleba looked like he was trying. He did, yeah. Reggie Bullock tries some. None of the other big. Dwight Powell is Dwight Powell. I mean, there it's, <laughs> it's they just don't like there's no motivation for them to do anything. And like I'm at the point right now where you're like, look, I know you don't want to upset Luca because you're afraid he's gonna leave. I hate to tell you, he's leaving. He is 100% leaving this team because you're not going to win because you won't give him any hard love and be like, hey, we need to run a play. Hey, it's clutch time. Let's run a play. Yep. Let's let's try and do something here to go, try and get somebody open. And, Luca, How about we need you to do it. defense one time? Yeah. Uh, it's just, one time. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's just like this team looks like they're just playing pickup ball All and going time. out there. Yep. And I, Jason Kidd is too good of a coach and too, good, too much of a competitor to have given up on this team. And it appears, everything I've watched, and I've watched a couple of these games now, that he is not, like, there's no point in here where he's pulling Luka or pulling Kyrie aside and going, hey, man, we need to run this and we need to run. He's not. But they don't want to upset Kyrie either. Because they're trying I, I to get guess, Kyrie but you, to, but you know what's going to upset Somebody both these guys? I know. I was yeah. saying, that's part of why they're probably Missing not. the playoffs because you <laughs> you tank so hard at the end of the season because <laughs> you couldn't talk to anybody. I get you don't want to upset Kyrie. If you lose Kyrie in free agency, because you can't talk to him, fine. If Luca leaves because you can't, you can't just lose with good players because you can't talk to them. That's yeah. not an acceptable reason is, well, they're going to leave. We talk to them. Cool. Then let them leave. Like, then you will win more games. Then, I mean, because you're not winning at all now. No. Like, this team looks really bad in clutch. And all of a sudden, they'll go bad. on runs because they'll go on runs when, you know, Luca and Kyrie are playing minutes where. Oh. The other team's defense is lax. Yeah. And they, you know, catch back up into the game. And then the other team puts their starters back in and pulls further back out. They're in every game in clutch time, though. Yeah. They're there. They just can't close it out, which is strange considering it's Luka and Kyrie. Yeah. They're (laughs) also, they're also, they're not worried about was clutch time. They're also getting down in all these games and fighting back, which means you're tired in clutch time, which is why you're missing threes. Now, you shouldn't be taking threes in all of these. You shouldn't take seven threes in a row. You shouldn't do those type of things. Hey, man, we missed five threes. What should we do? I don't know. Another three? How about we go to the tack the basket? I mean, you were down two. I mean, (laughs) watch, watch what the other team does to you. And attack the basket. Yeah. Yeah. But That's the, it. The defense is better with Maxi Cleaver. You brought that up. It is better. They allowed only 50 points in the paint. But that no, nope. I know you're gonna laugh, but that's an improvement because against uh the Lakers, they allowed 62 points in the paint. Against the Spurs, it was 66. Against the Nuggets, 64. And against Minnesota, 64. It's 74, I believe, before that to the Kings. So uh, 50 points in the paint is good for them. Maxi Kleber's presence is being felt. No, I mean, 19, he had a, he had a, 19 minutes. He had a plus nine of, I think he had a plus nine of uh, plus nine, which yeah, was, was the highest on, on the team. And it was, during the middle of the game, he was the only one with the plus and a plus minus and when still they were down. Lost. Well, and no, still but, but that was the thing is he was, Luca wasn't. 
I think Kyrie's plus four in the game, so yeah. he did all right. But it's like Luca's plus minus, and I plus minus is kind of an arbitrary stat in a lot of things. But Luca right now is playing as if he needs to be the hero to win this team, like it's game seven. But he doesn't have the legs to do it, and it's not game seven. And you got to build up your like you need the rest of your team to show up and play, and he just doesn't play with them right now. And he's a better player than this. That's right. what I'm like. Right. We've seen him play more team basketball. We've seen him do these things, but unless he decided when they traded for Kyrie, he checked out. No, no. Way. Unless he just checked out and said, "Cool, I'm just gonna play hero ball and then get my contract up as high as I can." No, get I it, think I'm they out. both wanted to work. That's why that first, but the first clutch time issue they had was them playing hot potato because they wanted no, I, each I other get that. to make the you know but this is clutch but time that, shot. But, and that's what I'm saying is it, it's Jason Kidd. Like, it's mm. just he's the one that is not pushing this team at all. And if he says that if he says that there's not like that there there's no way and he can't talk to him, then quit. Then walk away and get another coach to do it. But it is painful to watch a team that has this much talent be as bad as they are. I agree. Uh, another NBA note, Spurs did snap a 16-game losing streak. So shots in. They beat Utah 102-94. to So they do prevent a winless rodeo road trip. Uh, and also KD is expected to make his debut tonight. 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 So, uh, we'll talk about that a lot tomorrow. They'll be versus yeah. uh, with the Suns. He's making his debut. All right, we come back. We got one more second left. We're off early at 6.30 for the Flex the coming flex. up. Uh, we'll have uh, Mel Kuyper's mock draft discussion and my rocky rabbit hole research <laughs> all that and more right here on ball don't lie 104 on the horn